Hello, New City. This is Pastor Ben. I'm sitting down with Nate Claiborne. Hey, Nate. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Glad to be with you per usual. This is a, this is a meeting that we have on a pretty regular basis, and I like it. I'm glad That's right. It. We've actually been, it, we've been talking for about an hour now. We should have been recording, but... We would, yes, as you said, we both would have. Well, I'm not going to say what we would have said. But. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We had a we had a fruitful conversation before this, and we ended it by saying, "Man, we really got to record this podcast, and we should have been recording all along." So, yeah. um, so Nate, we're talking about the Romans Bible study. So, for the listener, we are preaching through Romans one through eight here in the spring at New City, and um, and then simultaneously we're having a. Romans Bible study that that's really able to dig into the text in ways that a sermon can't, uh, not least of which because it's far more participatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would love to hear, uh, myself included, tell us about the Romans Bible study. We've had it one week now. We've um, we've not done anything like this before at New City, and we're I'm as a preacher very excited about what this means for our congregation, but also just as a Bible reader, eager to learn from you and and to um, to gain. Uh, wisdom and how to approach the text of scripture from from somebody like yourself who spent years yeah. uh, doing that yourself. Yeah, I appreciate that. It was it was a very uh, hopefully for the people who were there. It was very encouraging, very uh, energetic. Is maybe too strong at eight thirty on a Sunday morning, but there was <laughs> you know some coffee. Um, but yeah, it's I'm looking forward to this as kind of a new stage of ministry in some ways. Of now we're we're really going to go deep with a book like Romans mm-hmm. where we're not. It's not just Sunday morning, which is not to say we don't have great preaching mm-hmm. at Thanks. New City. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but it just seemed like Romans was the time to start this, because if there's ever a book that you could feel like, well, we could actually just, you know, we're, not that we're John Piper and going to spend eight years on That's right. Romans, but could literally do a whole series on any one chapter, probably. And the fact that somebody can do that, that John Piper could spend eight years going through the book of Romans, says something about the book, right? Mm-hmm. About its its depth and its, uh, yeah, just how magisterial this book is. Uh, in fact, in my study, I came across Samuel Coleridge, who is an English poet, literary critic, said Paul's letter to the Romans is the most profound work in existence, period. No caveats. Yeah, no no, no qualifications. Not the most profound book of scripture, not the most profound New Testament book, not the the most profound work in existence. So he's putting that up against all of Shakespeare. He's putting that up Mm -hmm. against all of the rest of the Bible. Like, it's just honestly, when I read that, I was like... That's a that's a that's a statement for yeah. sure, and that and maybe that even kind of encapsulates some of my trepidation in doing this. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, so you know, you and Damien at least get to swap off. You that's know, true. You know, who preaches when? It's like I'm going to do this Bible study that's actually longer than the sermon. Uh huh. Um, and I don't know if people are coming into this expecting Romans to get taught in detail and then preached right after or so some of my some of my consolation in all this is like well actually it really is an exhaustive book that you could spend a lifetime studying Mm -hmm. so i am not going to aim for any type of comprehensive Mm -hmm. analysis of any passage on a sunday morning Mm -hmm. i know that probably sounds like i'm not actually doing anything but it's it's more (laughs) it's realizing that any given section in romans there's a bunch of directions we could go in Mm -hmm. and we can't go in all of them and so there's kind of a, even yesterday I was trying to feel out as as we were getting started it, it's it's not that it's user dependent but it kind of is because I the way I look at it is it's a 
It's not a once for all thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really should be tailored to who's there on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So if you show up on Sunday morning to come to Romans Bible study, um, it, you're not just another person out there and it doesn't matter if you're there. We mm-hmm. want it, I want it to be interactive and want it to answer your questions. I want to draw out things for you. Um, so that it's it, the Bible study in some ways is created by the combination of my background study and knowledge and the questions and thoughts that the people who show up bring to the table. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. So it's kind of a synergistic sort of thing in a way that the sermon by definition can't be. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and you named your background. Uh, let me just say. Nate has uh, a THM, which is a academic degree in Bible. I mean, basically, right? I mean, it's a theological degree, but but you did uh, an absurd amount of biblical languages to mm-hmm. get your THM yeah, by so virtue my, of where you studied. You had to take five. Um, you had to take five Greek classes uh, at Dallas to get your <laughs> THM, and the fifth class was just exegesis in Romans. Okay, so it's a Greek. It's <laughs> Romans in Greek. Essentially, okay. is the class. So for listeners, they might say, "Wow, like that's really impressive at an academic level," and it is. Uh, but that might be way over my head. So I want to add this piece, which is you spent a decade at least mm-hmm. um, teaching this to high school students. Yeah, and not not Romans per se, but it's kind of used to. I'm used to contextualizing. I, I'm a translator at heart. Mm, let me good. let me take things from, you know, scholarly journals and that sort of thing, but make it palatable or understandable to the average person. That's great. Not that there's average people out there. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's but, a superstar. Yeah. So, but to to the point that I even told people yesterday, we probably will learn some Greek. And not that I'm going to teach Greek grammar and people are going to have to decline, and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, learn case endings or anything like that. But Romans is a great example of a book where knowing some basic Greek words yeah. is really helpful because yep. it shows you the relationship of things. Um, and just to give one example, we got into a little bit yesterday. Um, in Romans chapter one, we were in verses eight through 17, which is what you preached on right after. Um, knowing that verses 14 through 17 is one sentence in Greek mm-hmm. changes a little bit of the way you read it because in English Bibles, they put a heading right above 16 and 17 because that is the punchline. Yeah, and it's four sentences in English. And it's four sentences in English, but it's really just one thought, which mm-hmm. means verse 14 is actually the topic mm. Paul is under obligation mm-hmm. to, and then he lists two people groups. So we spent some time talking about what those people groups are. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where the Greek, a little bit of the Greek came in handy is... Uh, it says barbarians. Mm-hmm. Uh, different translations will even someone brought up yesterday. Their translation said something. Can't remember what it was, but it wasn't barbarians. Uh, but barbarian is a word that we just brought into English from Greek. It's barbaroi, uh, and it's a derogatory term mm. for people uh, that are not Greco-Roman. Mm. It's basically, and they're basically making fun of the way they speak. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, the, when they talk, it just sounds like bar 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 bar. Wow, yeah. And so it's a, you know, we know it's the a, word barbarian, but yeah. we didn't know, oh, well, it comes from this and it's used in this way. And it's it was, a slur. It's a slur. Um, it is, I really tried to think of a, a, in some ways, think of something that would be a good modern. Um, Basically, like the kind of thing that would start a fist fight if you called somebody that. Yeah, especially if they if they felt they didn't deserve it. But mm-hmm. it was it was a word that Greeks and Romans used for people of other tribes, tongues and nations who mm-hmm. they thought were fit only for slavery. Mm. Wow. So yeah. it has a racial component, but it's not just it's, but it's, it's not, not so much fitting a, to any particular race. Right. It's not because you're that race, it's yeah. because you're not 
Greek. You're not. Wow. Yeah. You're not on our level. Right. So from a from a uh, Roman's point from a Roman point of view, mm-hmm. Jews are barbarians. Mm, very interesting. So this is an example of the kind of things that uh, I could do in a sermon, depending on on the text, depending mm-hmm. on the the intention or the plan for the sermon, but that you're able to do in a um, kind of a Bible study format where you're able to kind of dialogue about this, work it out, unpack some of the Greek words. One of the principles I have actually in preaching is that I I stay away from as much as I can, hey, your Bible says this, but really if you knew Greek or Hebrew, it says this, mm-hmm. because uh, I know preachers that do that, and it drives me crazy because I don't want people to think, man, I if only I had an MDiv. Well, yeah. I don't have an MDiv, which is the irony, but if only I had a THM, if only I knew Greek or Hebrew. Yeah. Um, that's not true. Like You've got incredible amount of resources at your disposal, and your translation, provided it's a decent one, is good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a space, an environment for that to happen, and it's uh, and it's definitely in a Bible study environment like you're, you're leading. But I understand, is it fair to say, well, let me just ask you. So this Romans Bible study, it's on Sunday mornings at 830, room 205, uh, which means nothing to anybody that doesn't come to New City. Right. Um, and tell us about the format. We know there's coffee there already. Uh, there's yeah. tables, Bibles, books, uh, <laughs> maybe journals and, and pens, whatever. Um, what do you guys actually do? How do you structure the time? How do you spend that together? If somebody's interested and they don't want to do an hour and a half lecture or something like that before yeah. they get to an hour sermon or whatever. <laughs> right, right. So this is this is kind of what happened yesterday, and this I think will probably stay fairly stable. It's gather together. Everyone's sitting at tables. They're round tables because I want there to be discussion at your tables as well as dialogue back and forth with me. Um, and we read through the text slowly at the beginning, and then I just ask for just general observations, like what what sticks out to you, what's confusing maybe, mm-hmm. um, what's, you didn't notice this before. Um, and we just sort of like, just spend some time just thinking about it loosely. And sometimes that'll unlock certain things. Um, I, I never actually know like what someone's going to say, like, oh, what does this word mean? And mm-hmm. then th- we go down that rabbit trail, or maybe that's an actual, I was hoping someone would ask that question mm-hmm. kind of question. So it's a little jazz-like, right? I mean, you guys are kind of riffing off of each other. Yeah, there's some improv, like I don't have a lesson plan in front of me per mm-hmm. se, um, be- partly because I wanted to steer it away from feeling like a lecture, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to, it, it's it's not a class. We're not mm-hmm. calling it Sunday. We're intentionally not calling it Sunday school, even though it feels similar. You're mm-hmm. coming to church an hour or hour and a half early, mm-hmm. actually almost two hours early. But um, and you're in a you're you have a textbook. I joked about it being class like I told people there'd be a test and <laughs> I assigned some homework. But mm-hmm. it's all just sort of in good fun of like this is you know. It's sort of like a class, but mm-hmm. it's also not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more like a lab, maybe mm-hmm. than anything. Is we're we're we're. I, I don't want to say we're dissecting the text, yeah, sure. but we're we're examining in detail bits and pieces here and there. We're talking about how it might apply in some ways. We're trying mm-hmm. to map it onto current cultural realities. Um, I told him at the very beginning, it's very much like. Um, we are going through and looking at the individual trees, and then mm-hmm. you're going to go hear about the forest mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. That's a really good way to put it. So, In other words, you can get into the weeds and the details and the um, the sentence structures and uh, different you know, genitive cases, if you wanted to, mm-hmm. on uh, faith in Christ or faith of Christ, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And whereas when I'm preaching or when Damien's preaching or anybody for that matter, um, there's a... There's, there's something that's happening in a sermon that's different from a study. Mm-hmm. Um, that's helpful. So 
what I hear you saying is there's going to be it, it's highly participatory. Yeah, it, it, I. It's highly participatory. Although there may be stretches where I slip into lecture mode, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a habit I've been trying to break. But you know, sure, we're both guilty of it. Both guilty true. of it. But <laughs> it's it, some of it is. You know, we, we have that initial observation phase and then there's discussions at the table that are just, it depends on what the text is. Mm-hmm. Um, this last week I had, after we'd spent some time talking about different issues, circle up at your table and among yourselves, try to come to a conclusion. Like, what do you think the big idea of this text is? Like, mm. What's kind of the main thing? And maybe what's some takeaways from mm-hmm. that? Maybe not concrete application per se. Mm-hmm. Um, my philosophy of application is that it's, it is very difficult to do general applications that mm. would actually apply. Mm. So if, if you were actually thinking of the standard, like simplified Bible study approach, observation, interpretation, application, we're doing all three of those things. But the, the real application piece is something people will do on their own at home mm. because it would be so specific that it wouldn't be useful to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. You know what I mean? So, so but you're going to help people do the observation really interpret it well and then even trend towards application, but but there's ways in which people have to work that out in their own lives. Yeah, just kind of leave it o- leave it open ended, so that in some ways it's preparing you to then go in and hear that passage mm-hmm. preached, where mm-hmm. you're going to give more of a structured, big picture. Here's an outline breaking down what's going on in this text. Here's the big point. Mm-hmm. But they've already been thinking about well, what is the big point? So it's yeah. sort of priming you to walk into worship with you've already before the scripture passage is read. Mm-hmm. You're really fairly familiar with it. Some of your questions have already been answered. Mm-hmm. And then because we've been syncing up, I sort of know where you're going. You kind of know what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. there's a way that we can sort of blend the two together so that we're not duplicating. Well, I just went on this whole like 15 minute lecture about something that's actually point number two in your sermon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's super helpful because um, I, yeah, I think that there's something to be said about the, uh, this ability to work this out into real life. So, so maybe one of the big main ideas for, for Romans 1, 8 through 17 is about um, Paul not being ashamed of the gospel. That would mm-hmm. be a good one. So then the application of that is specific to different people. Like some people have an assertive personality type. And so there's a sense of like, they're not ashamed to actually like name and like just say it how it is and tell mm-hmm. it how it is. That, But they actually might feel shame about closing their mouth and feeling weak. Right, because the gospel yeah. actually invites us to find God's power in our weakness, right, and and so there might be shame in the sense of like owning and naming and acknowledging my neediness and my weakness, and and so there's that's that's different for a personality type, right? Mm-hmm. So how you're ashamed of the gospel might actually work out differently for different people. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's a that's another thing I want to point out that is hap- is going to happen is one of the challenges in some ways of. I'm sure preaching Romans, but also doing a Bible study on Romans is people are really familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Like if, if there's a New Testament book, people tend to know fairly well. Mm-hmm. It's probably Romans, maybe it's Ephesians. Mm-hmm. Um, and so verse 16, which what you just quoted, was a good example of um, people hear that verse, and they know I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And so part of what we're going to try to do in the Romans Bible study is defamiliarize the mm-hmm. familiar so mm-hmm. that you can be refamiliarized with it in a fresh way, mm-hmm. but not in a way that obliterates the original. Um, we So 
I'll say two things here. One is that we get into some background context stuff that doesn't necessarily come up in the sermon. Mm -hmm. And we do that not so that it changes the way you understand the passage, but it puts it, the example I used yesterday is it, it's like putting it in 4K. Mm -hmm. Like you still see the same thing. Same thing with the sentence structure we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. It doesn't change what verse 16 means mm -hmm. to know that it's one, one sentence, sentence in Greek, but it does change the way you think of it relating to the two verses before. Yeah. So with the shame thing, we actually had to, a fruitful discussion of well, why would Paul be ashamed of the gospel? Like, what, and it actually took a little bit to get to well, the thing that's shameful is he's worshiping a God who was crucified, mm -hmm. and the cross and crucifixion are a very shameful thing mm -hmm. in that culture mm -hmm. that we just don't think about anymore because people have cross necklaces and it's mm -hmm. you know and you see cr crucifixes everywhere, mm -hmm. um, and so we just sort of lost this like well that was really embarrassing to say, yeah. you know, he, especially Paul's writing to the Romans mm -hmm. and he worshiped, they came up with crucifixion. He worships, <laughs> he worships a crucified barbarian. Yeah. Very right? interesting. So that's, that's embarrassing, yeah. but he's not ashamed mm -hmm. because, and then he tells you his reasons why, but we yeah. had to pause for a minute and think like, well, what was, what was shameful? Mm -hmm. That's so helpful. You know, GK Chesterton um, has a, I can't remember which book it is. He starts off with this picture of, you know, when we see a horse, because we've seen him, we've grown up with him, um, the majesty and frankly, the terror of the size and the strength and the power of a horse, we still measure things in horsepower, right, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, is lost on us. And, he's, and, and so he talks about like, what would it take to get you to the point where when, you know, uh, in, in from really awful ways, the conquistadors came over to uh, South America and met, I don't remember if it was the Aztecs or who it was, and they came off for the first time for horses and the people bowed down and worshiped them as gods because they were so in awe of this beast that had this rider on it. And like, what would it take for you to get back to, view, to viewing a horse like that? Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. He talks about kind of going around the world only to come back home again, but to see it all with new eyes. And I hear that's what you're describing. It's like, yeah. you're familiar with Romans. It's like the horse. Uh, but there's, I mean, Samuel Taylor Coleridge said it is the most profound work ever written for, you know, ever in human history. Like, do we read Romans like that? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. And so I love that. I want to defamiliarize you with this so that you can actually stand before it and really stand under it in a new way and be able to experience Romans as, as how it has been experienced throughout the history of, of the church, where it's been like a bomb that's gone off and just totally shaken things up. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I love that. I think that's a really important uh, way to approach the text of scripture. Yeah. I'm, I, it's, it's hard to not be excited about it. Um, I, I hope it, I don't communicate excitement as well. I think in some ways I don't, I mean, I texted you and Damien about it yesterday, but it's just like, even after yesterday, I was like, I'm ready. To, like I'm ready for next week. I, I've got some studying to do, mm -hmm. but even just spending time with people together, mm -hmm. talking about it and actually drawing things out and this sort of back and forth that's possible in a Bible study was really energizing. Yeah. So I'm hoping, uh, you know, I hope it was the same for other people. Hope to see people back on mm -hmm. next week. Um, just be interesting to see how it goes for this whole book. I feel like I'm. Le I learned it. I learned a good bit in just prepping for one week. Mm -hmm. Like the things that I just mentioned to you are things I didn't actually know before I did some studying. So yeah. it's it's a we're both learning in this process. I'm not coming in as the expert that's, yeah, yeah, Romans. I took a Greek class on it. Mm -hmm. um, it's Romans. You know, I'm pretty familiar with it, but not as familiar as I could be. Yeah, that's right. 
That's so good, Nate. And and just to situate this, um, New City has the common rhythm, which is our way of forming people to be with Jesus. We believe that those are all places where we can, uh, where Jesus has promised His presence. One of them is Scripture, a mm-hmm. daily practice of uh, listening to God's voice in Scripture before any others. And so, this is undergirding the common rhythm. It's teaching our people how do you interact with Scripture well, and then it's connecting it with another practice in the common rhythm, with it, which is worship, uh, because in worship we are. Um, gathering around the text of Romans for the spring here. And so I'm really grateful for, for you, Nate. In, in this, the weeks when I'm not preaching, I'm going to be very tempted. If not, actually, I'll be showing up because I actually w- really would love to learn from you in this as well. Yeah. And so this is an invitation for for our listeners that want to come and join uh, that this Romans Bible study. It's I, I really believe it's going to be a really great way to form our people in this in this practice of being people of the Word. Yeah. And I, I'm, I would... I think we can say this, but looking forward to this being a new rhythm that we have at New City moving forward. So it's it's the first time we're doing it, but it's not necessarily this is it. We're never going to do this again. Mm-hmm. I guess if it goes terribly. Yeah, that's we'll, true. We'll cancel it and never do it again. If it's but, a crash and burn, right. we'll always reserve the right to never do it again. But right. <laughs> we're all basically uh, have a hunch at this point that that's not going to be the case. Yeah, I'm pretty, <laughs> I think it's going to go pretty well. But. Well, thanks for all your work, Nate. Thanks for this conversation. I'm looking forward to future conversations. Yeah, me too as well. Mm-hmm.